Hey everybody, this is Chad Jordan from the uh, Sport Clips Marketing Department, and this is another edition of our um, Hall of Fame podcast. These are some of my favorite episodes that we do. They're called it's the Survive in Advance series, and I love getting to interview survivors and uh, especially team members that have overcome significant challenges in uh, in his or her life. And uh, that certainly uh, describes my guest today. So why don't I have her introduce herself for us? Hi, I'm Colleen Foster. I'm a Minnesota native, and I work at the Sport Clips in Shoreview. And are we going to pick up that you're a Minnesota native? Is that going to come through here while we're... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I think, I think so. So I might even... I've been here a full 24, 36 <laughs> hours at this point, so I, I might start talking funny like you guys as well, but... Uh, but we wanted you, we wanted to have you on uh, this episode because you are a survivor. And uh, first of all, let's let's get into some of the sport clips basics. How long have you been with uh, with sport clips? I've been at sport clips for just over a year. Okay, and how long you've been a stylist? Been a stylist for nine years. All right, uh, and uh, so you've been at the same store the whole time. For the year. Oh, yeah, for for the year clips, you've yep. been here. Yep, uh, and. You're on this episode as a survivor of what? I am a recovering alcoholic. All right. And uh, how long have you been sober? I am coming up on 10 months. Okay, 10 months. Mm -hmm. So the year mark, is that March or April? March. All right, great. Uh, and what kind of celebration is the store going to do? What, is, it, you know, is there something behind the scenes? Do you know it yet? I mean, when Not that year hits... It's honestly, I haven't even thought about it because okay. it's kind of unreal to me. Okay. Well, uh, I'll make sure to sync up with your manager, Judy, and uh, we'll have Mountain Dew on tap for everybody. <laughs> I mean, we're going it, to, it, it's going to be an amazing. So uh, take me through uh, kind of your struggle when you knew you had a problem. You know, can, can you kind of walk me through, um, you know, before recovery happened, what, where, where was bought, where was rock bottom? How did you know you hit it? Those kinds of stuff. Just tell me, tell me a little bit about your story, if you don't mind. So, um, growing up, I have always had a pretty serious anxiety, depression mm -hmm. issue. And out of beauty school, I really wanted to kind of put myself out there and be able to kind of get noticed and have uh -huh. fun. And yeah. So I started going to parties and hanging out with my my friends more and um alcohol was always involved and that was the one thing that made me confident are you an introvert at heart yes. okay like crazy very much so um i'd rather stay at home all weekend just laying in bed with my cats if i could mm -hmm. um so drinking really took away all those worries and anxiety and i was able to talk to people and laugh and just have fun and so I started finding myself looking for things to do every single weekend because it was so fun and people liked talking to me so um, and alcohol always had to be involved yeah and then I started noticing it was actually within like a year of me first starting to drink and what how old are you at the time when is this so, taking place I was about 20 years old when okay. I first started to have a drink and for everyone around me that was actually considered kind of old to start um which is crazy yeah, yeah. when 21 <laughs> is the legal age yeah. you know the, most of the u.s so yeah. it's funny because even when i was a teenager i was terrified of alcohol just seeing what it could do to everybody and 
Are, are there any, let me ask this question, are there any um, uh, addicts, uh, alcoholics in your family? Yes. Okay. My, and you don't have to tell me yeah. who. I just want to know if yeah. that was something that you it, were already exposed to. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, very close to my, my dad. Mm. And so, okay. Um, that's actually kind of, I think, one of my triggers kind of yeah and did that play a role into you wanting to stay away from it for so long was the fact that yeah you didn't want to become that you knew the damage that it could cause yes exactly yeah and so eventually i started noticing it was getting more and more often um you're now looking for parties yes (laughs) to feed you know used to be you look for alcohol to feed your social life now you're looking for a social life to feed kind of what you're looking for looking for any reason that would be okay for me to have alcohol Mm -hmm. and from there it wasn't a big deal to me i was just kind of like not noted in my head you know i'm kind of drinking a lot more it's but you know i kept chalking it up to you know i'm 20 i'm 21 right this is so in my wild oats yeah. you know this is normal yeah and so actually a few years went by and just kept up with the study every weekend going out and partying and then when i noticed it was a problem was when i started sneaking alcohol to work with me oh wow so you're you're a stylist mm-hmm. at somewhere else at that time yep. mm-hmm. and now you're lying to yourself, right? right? Like, no, I don't have a problem, right. and nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm doing this, yep. But, and I'm not dealing with sharp <laughs> instruments on a daily basis, right? So you got that going on, yeah. And so, and so that's what that's for you. The like, wait a minute, I'm down this slippery slope, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I can stop, or you're still fooling yourself. Still, yeah. still thinking. I got it. You, under you know, control. it's yeah, it's it's okay. Like, like I still have this under control. Like, it's. I can stop whenever I want yeah. to. Yeah. And I would, I just remember when I'd be at work and I would be drinking at work, just having that thought in my head, like, oh my God, this is actually turning into a problem. And just kind of pushing it, that thought aside and just, I'm going to ignore it. I'm mm-hmm. just going to drink more mm-hmm. because of it. So you're chasing the anxiety and the fear mm-hmm. with more alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alcohol cured everything for me. And the main thing was like my anxiety. Yeah. And it just calmed me down, made me Cause, feel better. Because most, can you help me out here? Most stylists, and probably ones listening to this, are extroverts by nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost in the job mm-hmm. description usually, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're talking with clients every day and a lot of new clients. Mm-hmm. And so you got that initial barrier that you could either, if you're an introvert, it, it, but if you're an extrovert, you break through it. And it was fun. It's a good challenge. And so are you kind of rationalizing, hey, this is going to help me be a better worker? Yes. Because, okay, I'll be more outgoing now. Of course. I'll get bigger tips. This is good for the bottom line. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and that's, um, and one thing I also noticed was clients, they like to reminisce about drinking too. Uh And so it was just kind of something everybody had in common. So it became just something to be like almost like proud of that I drank mm-hmm. do do your co-workers wherever you were did they did they know were you sneaking it were you blatant about it what uh, my co-workers they definitely knew that I was like a party person uh-huh. and there was just my one really good friend that we actually became really close and we would mm-hmm. you know drink together mm-hmm. at work at work yeah yep and are you even covering it up, like putting it in a different yes. bottle or a mug or something? <laughs> we or you did. Just popping it open and okay. No, we definitely were still hiding it, and you know, 
Which is a sign that yes. there's really an issue. If you got to cover it up, yes. that's probably something you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. So that's a great lesson for those listening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how long you get away with that? How, how long? I was doing that for a good, I'd say like drinking at work was like a good year. Mm. And eventually. Had, had you noticed any difference in, or is it still the, the benefits were outweighing the damage? I started feeling like crap mm. every day. Uh, I became very, very um, irritable. Mm. Everybody when was... you're down, when like when you're all, you know not yeah. not buzzed mm-hmm. essentially. Um, nobody liked working with me anymore mm-hmm. because when I wasn't drinking, I was just a pain to be around. Everything was just irritating, and so nobody liked me at work. Mm. Um, it altered your personality mm-hmm, yeah. for sure. And only the time I was happy was when I was drinking mm-hmm. and it wasn't just and the only time other people were happy around you was when you were drinking. Right. right. Because you know, that that's the only time. Yeah. I'd be took nice. The edge off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just absolutely unbearable if I, I wasn't drinking. So drinking became literally almost constant mm-hmm. after that. And uh, are you, uh, are you driving home? I mean, how what's going on here? Um, not at this point. Okay. Um, that didn't happen for like a couple more years. Mm. It's when I I moved back home. I was in a relationship at the time when I was drinking at work and stuff, and that ultimately ended. And I'm fairly certain drinking had a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't really ever was a person not a drinker, or oh, they, they just were, weren't but... hanging as much. They weren't, you know. Yeah, I was just over yeah. the top with yeah. it, and it just definitely played a big part in it with the whole, my attitude coming home and just being so negative all the time, and I was literally blowing off special events just mm. to stay home and drink. So, which is the irony, right? Like, right. you used to drink to be social, <laughs> right? and now you're avoiding social mm-hmm. activities to stay home by yourself and drink. Right. What a liar mm-hmm. alcoholism <laughs> is, right? So... Uh, okay, so you're in a relationship over, you move back home with your folks or yep. your mom or, or whatever, um, and are you still working at the same place, or have you gotten fired? I mean, what's what's going on in your work life? By this time, I had quit my job because they started to catch on that mm-hmm. something was going on, and, you know, I didn't like them calling me out on it, so I said, I don't need you guys, right. so I'm going to quit. I don't have to take this. Yeah, you know. I thought I was just the bigger person in every way, and I was like, "No, I don't. I don't need to take this from you guys." So I quit, and of course, I could. I found another job at a different yeah. salon, and um, yeah. When I moved back home, I was at a different salon by home, and wasn't really quite feeling that one either. They just kind of caught on right away that yeah. there's something up with her. Uh-huh. So once again, quit that one. I don't know how many salons I've hopped around to within my past nine years. It's just, I don't even, I can't even count. So I finally found a salon. I'm trying to think now. You know, being alcoholic, all this kind of like blurs together mm-hmm. for me. Yep. <laughs> um, so I don't really know like my timeline too well, but um, I'm at a salon. I go with my friends that they're working at and they know I'm a drinker. They're like, no, come on board. It's going to be fine. Um, we'll we'll kind of take care of you. Like we'll watch you. Yeah, and, cover your back. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll let you know if you're getting out of control. Uh-huh. So eventually that starts happening. I had um, 
been hanging out with my one really good friend at the time and we were inseparable and that's all we wanted to do was drink. And so that's literally all we would do. We'd wake up, we'd go to work, she's a stylist too. We would come home immediately. Where are we drinking? What are we doing? Let's get as much liquor as we can. And Are you working yeah. the next day? Yep. Or, oh, my word. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, that's when I, that was another um, easy way to tell when I was, I didn't care if I had to work or anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, no, I don't care. I'm, I'm drinking. Um, so I would be drinking all day at that job too. Eventually it gets to the point where my family at home is getting absolutely irritated with me. Um, was there a level of concern there as well yes. that she might she might be too far gone at this point? Yes. We, okay. And so I actually. And how do you, how do you know? How do you know they're irritated? Are, are they, there fights? Are there silent treatment? What's what's? Um, they definitely. Um, my brother and my mom. They, they noticed a change in my personality. Mm-hmm. I got very um, like snarky with them, and I would. I would just, I, I used to just be such like a, a nice, shy, quiet mm-hmm. kid. And no, they noticed I was becoming to get very loud with them. And You're like, giving it back to them. Yeah, you know? You're not taking had, it anymore. Just always had an attitude yeah. with them for some reason. And they spoke up and they're like, this isn't like you. Like, what is going on? Is it a full-on intervention where they sit you down? No. Or it's like in the moment they're confronting you and saying, hey, you got to knock this off. Kind of in the moment yeah, for okay. sure. And that would piss me off. So mm-hmm. I would... Just blow them off, and I would put those things in the back of my mind, and so, like, I heard what they were saying, but I didn't really act much on them. Uh, Eventually, I started, the guilt started building up from that, and I... The guilt in a broken relationship with your family? mm -hmm. That Okay. I didn't like that I was making them feel bad, and just, I used to be so close with them, and... So eventually I bring up to them that I want to go to treatment Mm. and they were fully hundred percent supportive and they will do anything that I need, need them to do. Had you already kind of sought out some treatment places that you would, okay. Mm -mm. You just floated it and you were kind of testing the water to see if they would respond and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to do Mm -hmm. that. Or if they were like, come on, it's really not that bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it was very quickly after that. I want to say even like the next day I was online and looking around for different places. And I found a place literally like a couple blocks from my house mm-hmm. outpatient treatment so I could still work. So it was perfect enrolled in there, got in there within like a couple weeks and I was off on my journey to start sobriety. And that was the first time I had ever tried to stop drinking and thankfully, at this time, my really good friend, she went to treatment as Another well. one that was struggling too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Did you, the same place that you went to? Not or? the same place, okay. no. But it was um, a, an accountability partner right. almost uh, checking this, in with you. and. It was like this new, exciting chapter of our lives. We were like, oh my God, we can get sober now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, And so we had something still that we had in common that we could still hang out and talk about, so. We there kinda... it is. Talk about. Yeah, I, I, I see. I knew I'd catch some. Okay. Uh-huh. So we were still able to hang out every day. That was our one thing was we were so afraid to lose each other because we were best mm-hmm. friends. And that was one of our big, my big concern 
that if you stopped drinking, I couldn't right, see her anymore. Yeah, uh-huh. That was my big thing, and but you decided to both get mutually strong mm-hmm. and be there for each other, and a friendship can just be different, right? Not, uh, right. So eventually, the treatment program that I was in. It was an outpatient program, and it was they usually last around like three months, like 90 days. Mm-hmm. I ended up being in that program for a good eight to nine months because yes. I relapsed. Okay. Um, it, it, while with the, within the first three months you did, or you went back after that initial? No, within the first three months. Okay. I actually relapsed within my second week mm-hmm. of being there. And the first thing I had learned about... Um, being in the sobriety is just being really true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's just in general, it's hard for me to lie to anybody. And so just knowing that I had a drink and I was in a program, I couldn't hide the fact that I drank. So I admitted to everybody around mm-hmm. me, you know, yeah, I, I drank, I slipped up. Yeah. And it was it one drink or it was you, you partied? It was a night of drinking. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a night. Yeah. Um, cause you know, alcoholics, we can't have one drink. Exactly. And I just, I, I I'm not an alcoholic yeah. and there are people listening that aren't. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just wanted to sure. kind of draw the line here mm-hmm. on what it means when yeah. a relapse isn't just, ah, yeah, we'll go out, be social. We'll have a beer with we, our tacos. Yeah. No, that's not what's happening. It, we wake up feeling really bad the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, what, describe, do you mean bad, like a headache, a hangover, or do you mean bad, like emotionally, dang, I, I failed. I both, Yeah. Uh, especially when you're already in a program for me. That feeling after a relapse, it's absolutely like, detrimental to me. Like, I failed. I I suck at this. Mm-hmm. Like, just I let everybody down. And physically, yeah, it withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Shaking, headache, sick. Which that first week is hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're in right. recovery. Um, and here you're going, I, I got to do this all over again. Right. You know. And so it's that whole, okay, well now... I thought that was my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. No. Because it happened, I don't even remember how many relapses I've had mm. since I've started treatment. I actually ended up finishing that program. At the time, I had never gotten past, I want to say, like six months sober. I would always relapse within some point of that time. And um, eventually, it got to the point where, okay, I've relapsed so many times, I, I just give up. So yeah. I just steadily was drinking again Mm -hmm. and by this time I was still surprisingly employed Um, they were not very happy with me but thankfully I had really good friends that I worked with and speaking of friends mm -hmm. what about your other your your best friend what's what's going on with her we're trying to keep our distance because Uh we're trying to better ourselves but was she relapsing while you were okay okay yes and to this day I love that girl so much and miss her so much, but I know it's unhealthy yeah. for us to There's be some together. mutual codependency stuff going yes. on that yeah. So just for safety, I keep my distance. Mm-hmm. So I've got my other friends that are totally supportive of my sobriety and they will do anything for me. They've literally come to meetings with me and sat by me and literally held my hand. And that's meant the world to me, but still there was still something I wasn't getting. 
And so I have been trying for a good, I want to say five years now to get sober. And I am finally at my longest right. so far. Every day yep. is a new record. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so and what, what finally tipped it in your, your favor? What tipped the scales to you being like, I got this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to crush it. Well, I had a really bad relapse back in March 2018. Um, it was definitely due to my like depression and anxiety. I was just feeling very overwhelmed with work. And I mean, I love going to work. I work with some amazing people. And it just, I'm just one of those people that I take on everybody's energy and mm-hmm. it's just so exhausting to me that I needed something to just calm calm me down. So I drank and I had been drinking just little little bits. Like I would have a little sip here and there for like mm-hmm. the past like week or so. Uh-huh. So I felt it coming on yeah. to a bigger relapse and this got to the point where I went to the lecture, I stocked up. Um, I waited for everyone to go to bed that night. I turned on some music like I normally do and was just drinking by myself and was having a really good time. And then all of a sudden this switch gets flipped and I am just in this terrible mood, Mm -hmm. terribly depressed. Yeah. It's just like this manic depression kind of thing going on with the, the, like you started off yeah. really high and now you're really low I don't even know what it was but yeah. something was triggered and all downhill from there I wanted to go see my father who is an alcoholic and he lives like 20 minutes from me I'm already very intoxicated yeah. I get in my car mm. and I drive and no care in the world I'm, I don't know how I got away with that Mm-hmm. He ends up, it's like four in the morning. Of course, nobody's You make awake. it safely I, somehow. I made it. Wow. I, I still, to this day. Right. I, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I end up like, you know what? Fine. I don't have anywhere else to go, so I'm just going to drive around. Well, I end up getting to this one church slash school that I went to when I was a really little kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I recognize this place. I'm just going to stop here. And so um, I pulled in their parking lot, and I just continue to drink in oh, my so car. Oh, so you had with you. Okay. I, yep. did, I, I brought it that. all with. Uh-huh. Yep, brought it all with. So I continue to just drink, and I'm getting – I don't know if I passed out at some points, but eventually it's around like 10 a.m. in the morning, and school has started. Oh, it's just a school day. Oh, wow. Yep. And I just remember somebody coming to my – door and asking me my name mm-hmm. it ends up being the principal of the school was it had it been the same principal when you were there as a kid Not, or, okay so, no um and so i remember asking his name and i told him i i need help i'm mm-hmm. an alcoholic mm-hmm. and i've obviously relapsed and yeah. i i need help because i have in the past been suicidal while mm-hmm. i've been drinking yeah and so, That's the lows we were just talking about, mm-hmm. where you come down and there's 
there's such momentum coming right. down from the high, right. like a snowball rolling down hill, mm-hmm. that when you get low, there's so much speed going there. Right. That you just, it's just, I can't handle right, it anymore. Your mind's like, no, I'm done. And so I'm kind of prepared for that to happen again. And so I tell them I need help. They call ambulance for me. I knew I was kind of like in a safe zone there. And I look over, I still have a little bit of my bottle left. Mm-hmm. I And I had a huge like gallon of vodka. And I mm. turn around and finish it all. Before the ambulance mm-hmm. gets there. And that's the last thing I remember was talking to that principal. And I woke up like a day later in ICU oh, with wow. a tube down my throat. Oh, my. They had pumped your stomach and all I don't, that? Yeah, or? they said I was unresponsive. I wasn't breathing on my own. Oh, how scary. So I literally was that close to dying. Yeah. And and had you not reached out mm-hmm. and just did that on your own, who knows, mm-hmm. right? If the ambulance hadn't been on the way right. already or... Right. Scary. So the thing that really, really moved me was when I woke up, and I was able to talk after they took my tube and stuff out. And I said, can somebody call my mom and let her know? And they were like, well, she's been here ever since you've been here. I'm just like, how long have I been here? Mm-hmm. They're like, you've been here for a good like day and a half. You've been sedated. Your mom's been here the whole time, like holding your hand. And mm. just knowing that my mom had to witness me like yeah. that. It just absolutely broke my heart. Yeah. And I don't ever want to feel that again. Yeah. That was my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kids? No. Okay. Mm-mm. So your mom will always be there for mm-hmm. you. And the way she feels about you is indescribable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can say that as a being a parent myself. That until I had kids, I didn't know how much my own yeah. parents loved me, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so... Uh, that was that was your last relapse slash re- you know, yes. beginning of your recovery that you're now 10 months mm-hmm. into. Uh, so shout outs to all the moms and dads out yes. there that are believing for their kids yes. trying to fight through addiction. It does get better. Tell me, uh, I, I know you actually got to go to work here. In a little I know. Bit, so, uh, <laughs> but what? Uh, but I love your story. Um, when did when did you, was were you at Sport Clips during this time or did I you come was. after? Okay. So you yes. had probably just started a couple months earlier mm-hmm. at Sport Clips. Yep. Um, Bob and Marlo mm-hmm. Chelberg are your team leaders. Yes. Judy Green is your ma- – what's the store number? 120. 120, MN 120. And uh, they took a chance they on They did. You, right? So yes. can you tell me a little bit about the, just the team leader relationship and what you've seen from – uh, these are not your typical salon owners. Right. Uh, they care. Uh, really, they, they truly do care for their team members and obviously for you. Can, can you just quickly or yeah. however, whatever, tell me a little bit about that relationship, that dynamic? Um, I know, especially like with my manager, she was very like, you know, take your time. I want you to get better. We, we want you back. It was never like, you're fired. Mm-hmm. It was always, are you okay? That was what they would always ask me first. And then they actually ended up giving me a good, like, week off to just recover from yeah. everything. And, and some traumatic stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and now you're uh, back in an outpatient. Did you, when they, when you recovered and came out of the hospital, do you go back to I rehab? I didn't, actually. Okay. Um, I've you, been doing this on my own just through AA. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and you but, have a sponsor? Yep, I All do. Right. 
Um, but Bob, um, he actually came into the salon and sat me down and was like, you know, I want to do whatever I can to help you. You mm -hmm. just let me know. Mm -hmm. And just having him personally come in and sit down with me meant so much to me, knowing that he cared about me was amazing. Yeah. And that's another thing that why I keep going. It's like, I can't let these people down. Yeah. Well, one thing I love about team leaders is when they, uh, especially when they're parents themselves and mm -hmm. they treat their stylists like uh, either daughters or if there's any sons out there. And that sounds like a little bit of what Bob and Marlo are doing with you. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I love about doing uh, these podcasts is uh, well, once we air this, your story's out there, mm -hmm. and it's another level of accountability. Yeah, you know, for people sure. are listening, getting inspired by your story, uh, and uh, you got now you got a reputation to uphold. Of course, right? so <laughs> uh, so that's yet another area of, of momentum for you. And I I always I'm always um, in awe that. Uh, that uh, people that have suffered either from drug addiction or alcoholics, they they get to a point where they recognize, hey, I might have another high in me. Mm -hmm. You know, my, I could go, you've relapsed. I don't know that I have another recovery in me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds like you're on uh, a, a recovery trajectory that's going to take you for the rest of your life. So super proud of you. You are a survivor and an advancer. You're a perfect person for uh, for why we do these this series of the podcast. So from all of us at Sport Clips, super proud of you. Can I ask you, you. Uh, 10 lighthearted questions yes. now that you've yes. laid all this heavy <laughs> on me? I, I need to end this thing with, uh, with something light and fun. So uh, these questions, uh, I won't ask follow-ups. Whatever you answer, I'm, I'm going to live with, okay? okay? Number one, which superpower would you most like to have? I've always just wanted to fly. Okay. I don't know what it is. Heck yeah. <laughs> Superwoman. You're, you're doing it. Uh, number two, what is your personal motto? Oh, man. I tell myself quite a few different things each day. But the one that I've got to live by, good old AA, one day at a time. One day at a time. That's mm -hmm. great. And a great show. Number three, other than where you live now, where else in the world would you most like to live? Uh, so I'm from Minnesota, born and raised. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hate snow and cold. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Absolutely hate it. So okay. any, anywhere warm. In? All right. Well, I'm going to Santa Barbara tomorrow. So uh, if you want, I'll put you in my suitcase. Take it. Number four, who is a celebrity you'd most like to meet one day? I have the biggest celebrity crush on Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fast and Furious, mm -hmm. all those. All right. Yep. Um, which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> oh. I don't know. You have a catchphrase I, or something. Your team's like, oh, come on, not again. I'm very, I have a potty mouth. So okay, all right, know. then bleep. <laughs> okay, we edited out what uh, one she overuses. Number six, what sound or noise do you love? Do I love, oh, when I am at home with my kitties oh. and they're purring. Okay, yes. What are your kitties' names? Shout out to your kitties. Frankie and Charlie. Okay. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? My alarm clock. Okay, alarm clock. I thought it was going to be like the snow shovel or snow oh, plow oh, or whatever. God. Yeah, yeah. I'm scraping against That's equally. Uh, what profession other than your own would you have been good at or at least have wanted to try? Hmm. I've always wanted to try, a, like, a chef cooking. Mm, okay. 
All so right. far, I'm terrible you know, at it. No, I was going to say, if you need to practice on some people, <laughs> um, uh, I like comfort food myself. What do you consider, number nine, what do you consider your greatest achievement? My sobriety. Okay, 10 months Ten months yes. of sobriety. Again, what? Mar- do we know the date in March? March 28th. March 28th. Okay, so yes. the, near the end of the month, we're going we're gonna to have a celebration. Yes. If heaven indeed exists, last question, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly mm. gates? You did good, kid. You did good, kid. Hey, I'm telling you, before you get to heaven, you're doing good. Thank all right? You. You're doing good. You're doing well. Super proud of you. And all of the overcomers uh, that are that could be listening to this and that are part of the Sport Clips family and that are overcoming addiction in one way, shape, or form, we appreciate you and value you. And thank you for representing them today, Colleen. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. I hope you tune in for the next episode. Goodbye.